Hello, everybody. This is Jack Swakowski. And Jeremy Dionisio. Coming up this week on Rain Delay Theater, Redditors bolster GameStop stocks, Baseball World rocks. Masahiro Tanaka returns to the land of the rising sun. Hall of Fame voters deny entry, racist piece of shit, chilling angered. Hammer and Hank will play next season with the Angels. So stay tuned, Derek Jeter, for Rain Delay Theater. Brought to you by Kellogg's Raisin Squares, shredded wheat nutrition with taste. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rain Delay Theater, the podcast where two bums talk about other bums at baseball games. This is episode number 104. That means we're doing 2004 MLB debuts. Jeremy, who do you got for your 2004 guy? Oh, yeah. You know, Jack, there was so much <laughs> pre-production going on uh, in this episode. I I have my guy, but I, I don't have his, his, his uh, numbers right uh, up uh, ready, but I can pull those up really quick. Um, Jack, my uh, 2004 uh, rookie debut is Gustavo Chassin. Uh, so I'm familiar with Jolie's Chassin. Uh, yeah. I'm not familiar with Gustavo. So, yeah, Gustavo Chassin was like, well, he was the original Chassin as, as far as uh, many <laughs> people are concerned. Um, uh-huh. But, uh, yeah, like so I, I had forgotten completely about this guy. Uh, so it was cool to, like, just find his name um, in uh, in this list. Um he uh okay so i know that i said i had to do some research really quick i know that i said in the past that um i believe that i said uh that devin mezzarocco looked like the guy from the machinist sure yes Um, you have you have but but legit gustavo chassin is like a dead ringer for the guy from the machinist now let me let me just like qualify all of this by saying by by acknowledging that I know that no one out there has fucking seen The Machinist at all, like except for me and you. Jack. Yeah, Jeremy. So uh, by, by the guy from The mach- Machinist, are you referring to that guy who's like, uh, they say the storm's coming, but if you ask me, it's already here. Is it? Is it that guy? <laughs> yes. Yes, it is. Nice, yes, it nice. Is, That's the only. That is the only line I remember from The Machinist. The only. The only thing there is to know about The Machinist is that Christian Bale dropped down to about a hundred pounds. For the role yeah. he looks disgusting he just looks it's it's gross i mean that the whole the whole movie is just about him having lost weight and i, I think it's uh you know not to spoil it for anybody but i think there was some horrible tragedy in christian bale's like his character's life and that's why he lost all the weight but but oh, really yeah. the it's just a, a, a like a, a vehicle for him to have like to look gross yeah and you know and possibly like an oscar turn like to 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 do that um yeah no totally and then you know there's there's the obligatory scenes with his shirt off and he's like putting his arms in the air like a friggin' scarecrow just to show off like how like fucking like you know uh deteriorated he is and i'll I'll say that uh last year's uh joker movie um borrowed uh a lot of that from 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 machinist i feel like where uh 
Joaquin Phoenix is like purposely like shirtless just so he can show off like how much weight he lost, like as if it, you know, tied into the uh, storyline at all. Like <laughs> the Joker character doesn't actually lose weight, but they're just like, just it's like half of the the Joker movie is Joaquin Phoenix just like sticking his rib cage out. I feel with his shirt <laughs> off. Um, but yeah, so to to reel this all back in, um, yes, well actually to reel it back to the machinist, I'll say uh-huh. is um. Yeah, this character is like he's like a wide like faced guy like with like a shaved head or whatever. I will say that I did look this up and potentially like thought briefly about abandoning this angle because Gustavo Chassin actually had alopecia, ah. which is which would explain like partially his his resemblance to uh to the guy from the machinist, I suppose. But just in general, Gustavo Chassin did not stick around very long, but I feel like he had he had like one good year. Um in 2005, he uh, started 34 games, had a 3.72 ERA, went 13 and nine for the Toronto Blue Jays. Um, didn't have great strikeout numbers, but um, I think he was like, you know, somewhat on the map as a pitcher there, and just you know, put up two years of five plus ERA. Um, disappeared for three years, ended with the Houston uh, Astros in 2010. Uh, so he was only around for five years total. Um, which is explain why I forgot I'm forgotten about the guy. But um, I was looking at his Wikipedia, and uh, his personal life blurb is um, reads as follows: Chassin cannot grow hair because of alopecia areata. A joke on Toronto sports radio station Fan Nine Five Ninety uh, that the name Chassin sounds like it should be the name of a cologne led to the Blue Jays led the Blue Jays to do a Chassin Cologne Night on June 27th, 2006. Uh, <laughs> talk about a fucking non-story like like headline there. But uh, it goes on. Chassin was arrested on March 16, 2007 for driving under the influence in Tampa, Florida. Uh, the left-hander was stopped by Tampa police at 3.43 a.m. Eastern and booked on misdemeanor on the misdemeanor charge. Police reports indicated that Chassin's blood alcohol level measured 0. .150, above the legal limit of 0. .08. The pitcher was released on $500 bond. So that's his personal uh, life uh, blurb on Twitter or on, uh, on uh, Wikipedia. But, yeah, just a, a melange there of just just oddballs facts like put together yeah that took a dark took a dark turn jeremy um my it gosh did, his, yeah. his blood alcohol level was twice the uh, legal limit there good my goodness um yeah. also you know chassin cologne night what did they just give everybody like a little bottle of this this cologne yeah i guess so i mean like i don't know maybe because like um uh <laughs> The Chassin for the uh, what what uh, what what's the uh, Chassin now? The other one, Jolie's, Jolie Chassin. Like I don't know if like that helped uh, normalize the name Chassin, but it's like, does it really? Is it really worth like a joke? First of all, a joke is a is a stretch there. Um, like so some some fucking Canadian called into the, like this radio station. It's like, hey, uh, you know, uh, Chassin. What is he? Some kind of cologne guy? Ha ha ha! And like you know, like then and they're like, great, perfect. And then the blue, someone from the Blue Jays was like, oh, that's so funny. Let's make a Chassin cologne promotion. Like what? What a bunch of what was going on, man? Like the world has come a long way since 2006. I'll say that. Yeah, uh, I, I agreed. Agreed. Jeremy, are you a cologne guy? Um, I I had a brief dabble with cologne, but uh-huh. uh, 
Uh, not no, I'm not a cologne guy. No, not neither am I. Um, I feel like uh, at this point it, that ship has sailed. Like I'll never be a cologne guy. I don't. I don't For know sure. how much. I don't know how much to put on. Like, am I putting on? I'd like. I'd be afraid of putting on too much. I don't know whether to put it on my wrists or like on my neck or both. Yeah, I, I just. Well, I don't know. I'll say that one former guest of the show and former roommate of mine, Ben Perkins. Uh, one time we were going out like to a bar or something, and I did put on cologne and. Um, I put it, I did put it on my wrist and Ben told me like, I put like only women put on perfume like that. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah, he, um, he, uh, you know, found a, a way to slam me there. Um, but, uh-huh. uh, but yeah, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, n- you, neither one of us are cologne guys. No, 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 uh, most definitely not. Well, Gu- Gustavo Chassin, uh, yeah, I love it, Jeremy. I, I, I don't remember that guy at all. My guy is also a pitcher. Um, Chad Qualls. I have Chad Qualls. Oh, um, nice. You know, I, I he had a long career. He was a, a reliever. Don't have much to say about his numbers. I mean, he was a solid reliever guy. Was a closer for a little while. Um, uh, but what I uh, uh, have really have to say about him is, I was at a uh, an Astros White Sox game in 2014 when uh, Chad Qualls came in to pitch for the Astros, and some guy that was sitting in my section yelled out, "Hey, Qualls, remember 05? You're a bum." And that was it. That was it. Um, you know, because, of course, Chad Qualls is on the 2005 Astros team that played the White Sox in the World Series. Um, and I, I love it. It was just like that. That was old news. I mean, that was that World Series had been 10 years, 10 years ago. But like still just this guy. And it's Chad Qualls. You know, it's it's not some yeah. superstar. It's just Chad Qualls. Uh, and like and yet this guy, like he just felt the overwhelming need to to call Chad Qualls a bum. You know, he'd been he'd been he'd been keeping this beef inside of him for 10 years and it just it just came out. He couldn't help it. Uh, So I love that. So that's what I always think of um, whenever I whenever I hear Chad Qualls. That's hilarious, Jack. Uh, I mean, I love the fact that he was like he like tried to like bring him back to like a time like, you know, a time that would hurt the most. It's like, yeah, the year that you guys lost the World Series. Where did you say this happened, Jack? Uh, This was at a White Sox game. I think I was there with my dad. Um, okay. Yeah, I think it was like an afternoon game in July. It was really, really hot. Uh, I think I think Matt Dominguez hit a home run in that one. So that's you know oh, that, just a couple bunch of names from the past right there. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, that's that's hilarious. I love that. Hey, remember 05? You <laughs> lost. Like that. That's great. Um. So and of course that not only was that guy holding on to that B for ten years, but that guy has been holding on to that you know that White Sox World Series championship for for ten years and <laughs> probably many years in the future. Uh, but uh, but that's funny, Jack. For for me, Chad Qualls. I mean, like that that clip. Do you know that clip, Jack, of where he fell down? No, I I, I don't know that clip. No, I've never. I seen mean, it. you might want to pull it up. Well, I can vamp a little bit yeah, if you if you absolutely. think you can pull it up yeah. pretty, pretty quick and watch it. But like. So Chad Qualls was like coming off the mound. This is like a famous clip uh, from MLB. Like I they just played it all the time on MLB Network. But he, um, I think it was in. It must have been in 2013 when he was with the Marlins. I think he struck out a guy to end the inning, and he came off the mound fist pumping, and like he 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 kind of like lunged forward and fist pumped, but then he tripped. <laughs> and he like tumbled forward. He did like a barrel roll forward. Yep, yep. I uh, what what I love about that, Jeremy, is I just watched it right now. Not yeah. only does he he tumble forward and do like that barrel roll, but he he sort of skips up like he like, it's like he's trying to pretend like that's what he meant yeah. to do yeah 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 for real you know funny i remember this old bit that the comedian sinbad had 
um, of like about like this. <laughs> Zimbabwe is, is very funny when you when you go back and look, watch some of his stuff. But he had this bit about like the difference between how men and women fall. Mm-hmm. And he had this bit like it's like when guys fall, like they like it takes like five minutes and like they're just like tumbling and like they knock stuff down as they fall and they're like falling in slow motion and he's like women will be like walking and they'll fall and they'll like just pop right back up and and keep walking like they didn't like like <laughs> like they meant to do it and it's like that's totally yeah like how chad qualls like took that fall it was it's, it's hilarious and it's just like the his like the teammates were like like laughing like just like dying laughing at him and uh, i think he had to kind of give in to it but uh it was uh funny stuff for sure well, that's uh, that's great. Uh, yeah, that's great stuff, Jeremy. Uh, yeah, thank you for making me aware of that clip. Uh, yeah, those are our, our 04 guys. That was also the year I graduated high school, 2004. So uh, you know, there's that. Jeremy, uh, uh, let's uh, let's talk about Steve Cohen and GameStop. Yeah, I mean, uh, listen, the, the the news of the world right now is um, uh, how the stock market is going crazy and. Uh, redditors like redditor trolls i guess i don't even i don't even feel like calling them trolls because i mean you know they're 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 screwing over like these fucking investment banker guys and these hedge fund managers but um they uh you know they they boosted the stock of gamestop and amc and these other uh places that were being like you know i'm not gonna go into like the the description i'm I'm gonna speak as if i know which like i've gotten the the crash course and all this in like the last 24 hours but um basically this this hedge fund was like trying to to benefit off of the failure of like gamestop and and these redditors got together and like bought all the stock and and like screwed this 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 hedge fund and um so met's new met's owner i guess steve cohen is like connected to this hedge fund um i don't think he's part of the actual hedge fund itself but i think he like gave them money like he he like his his firm gave them money to like help boost them out of like this money that they've lost or maybe he invested in them i think and now he's he's basically losing money because of all of this like like he he's getting like screwed financially um and uh and he's yeah he's connected to it so and so in turn people are questioning now like is the Mets payroll going to be affected by by this like loss of money and at a time when uh the um you know Trevor Bauer is still a free agent and he's being courted by the Mets you know like are they losing money the Mets coming off of like horrible publicity of uh Jared Porter um being uh fired for for his indiscretions and um, you know, I also want to say, I know we didn't talk about it, Jack, but JT real Muto signed, re-signed with the, with the Phillies this week. And, uh, you know, the, the Mets were trying to get him. Uh, so the Mets failed in that attempt. Um, just as a side note, JT real Muto, like the Phillies didn't want him back. He didn't want to go back to the Phillies, but then no one wanted to sign him and the Phillies couldn't find anyone else who they'd rather <laughs> have. So, so now he's back with the Phillies, which seems kind of just like a silly, like, uh, you know, zero sum venture there. Um, but but yeah, so like the Mets might now like people are calling in a question like if their payroll is going to be affected by this whole GameStop thing. So so the connection to baseball is there. Um, the other thing I was going to say about it is that today these fucking like uh, firms like Robinhood, like the app um, and uh, uh, like they stopped uh, offering like GameStop. So like commoners, like people like like, you know, like like regular Joe's uh, who like maybe use like. Robinhood because it's an easy access way to buy stocks like they were locked out of participating in this so it's just another like way of like 
you know, Wall Street trying to like cut out some of these, some like the the regular Joe. Um, one obser- another baseball related observation to that is that uh, not only did Robinhood uh, limit the buying, but so did TD Ameritrade. And Jack, who founded TD Ameritrade, as the Ricketts, right? Yeah, the Ricketts, yeah, of course. <laughs> so, so there you go. Like, so the Ricketts uh, have their uh, ghastly, uh, you know, just disgusting hand in another way that's completely gross and you know screwing over uh, the the little guy. So there you go. Uh, nice baseball tie-ins to to this stuff that's going on. Well, yeah, absolutely, Jeremy. And yeah, with the uh, Mets too. Not only uh, maybe are they trying to sign Trevor Bauer, but also maybe uh, re-sign. Francisco Lindor to a, uh, a long-term contract, which is yeah. not going to be cheap. Um, Reddit, Jeremy, I'll tell you, man, Reddit, like people on Reddit can be real <laughs> assholes. I've been one of them before several times <laughs> under several screen names, so I know. Um, uh, yeah, but so good for those people. Like, that's yeah. it's no surprise that that started on Reddit. Yeah. Yeah, Jack, I, I do feel like you have a you have a bigger Reddit presence than, than I, and uh, I'll have to pick your brain about some of that stuff because um, – I don't think this is going to stop with just <laughs> uh, with just um, uh, uh, GameStop. Like I, the, the, these people have proven that they can, uh, uh, you know, make something happen by all banding together. And if they're doing it to screw over, like you know, rich investment banker type types, like uh, I'm all for it. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, one more thing about this, Jeremy. There is there is a social media thing. I've never really looked into it too much, but it's uh, LOL Mets. Like that's like a thing. <laughs> um, and so this and they're like, you know, once Steve Cohen bought the team, uh, like people on Reddit, like on the Mets subreddit were like, uh, yeah, all right, well, at least no more LOL Mets. Um, but yeah, <laughs> oh, I, no. you know, I don't I think that's uh thing you know uh not looking good um they always uh, find a way they always find a way <laughs> uh yeah life life finds a way um masahiro <laughs> tanaka uh recently decided to re-sign with his old team in japan after being on the yankees for seven seasons uh you know jeremy i know it's a you know it's a free uh you know it's a free society it's a free country and people are like you know can are free to go if they want to but it's like masahiro tanaka you you came here with too much hype uh you never really did anything and now you're just going to leave? Like, wh- what? <laughs> yeah. Um, um, I mean, the Mets, yeah. you know, the, or the Yankees, rather. We're talking about the Yankees now. But, you know, when the Yankees signed this guy, there was so much uh, there was so much hype around him. They gave him $155 million. That's a lot of shekels to give a pitcher who'd never played in MLB before. Um, and then he was just kind of average. He had a good first season, but then I think he, he, got, he got hurt. I think he, with that elbow injury that I, I, he may, may never have even gotten surgery on, uh, though yeah. he always seemed to need it. Um, yeah. And then, and then you just kind of forgot he was there for the, for the rest of his contract. Yeah, no, for sure. And like, I mean, yeah, like before there was Otani being courted by America, like American teams, uh, there was Tanaka and, uh, I know the Cubs were trying to get him. Um, but, uh, yeah, well, here's the thing about it, Jack. Like if you look at Masahiro Tanaka's numbers, they're pretty good. I mean, you know, four, three, three seventy four. maybe they were like, maybe the Met, the Yankees thought they were paying for something better than that uh you know like in his rookie year 277 but like any most teams would be happy with that track record but the fact that like there were so many so such high expectations and it's new york and whatever like it's it's seems like a disappointment uh, like his career um and uh yeah you know i don't know i mean like on one hand like i think he can you know he made a ton of money he can just go back to japan now um and it's like you know, I, I think the, the Yankees, um, 
you know, in, in Yankees world, they're, they're in like a drought. They're in like, you know, a dire, like world series drought. Um, you know, most teams would be happy to just, uh, to, to have won as recently as the, the Yankees have, but Tanaka, like, you know, it's no longer his problem to, to have the Mets or to have the Yankees, um, you know, break that drought. He can, he's going to go back to Japan and I'm sure he's got a nice home there that he can, <laughs> he can live in. And yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I do agree with you, Jeremy, looking a little bit closer at his numbers. Um, you know, I saw the overall career ERA 374, which is uh, above average, maybe not what you'd be expecting out of a pitcher with as much hype. Uh, and yeah. as many dollars to his name as Tanaka had. But yeah, he had a pretty good 2016 season. He had a 307 ERA. His uh, 2018 season was was pretty good. It was he had a 375 ERA. So yeah, I mean overall he was a slightly uh, you know above average pitcher. But uh, yeah, now he kind of just said I'm you know I'm good. Um, uh, I don't want I don't want to pitch anymore. Um, so you know you yeah. know what? Hey, good for him. Uh, uh, not his problem. I will say uh, there there was this one night where I fell down this weird rabbit hole. And I, I started watching a bunch of Hiroki Kuroda interviews. Oh. Um, you know, Hiroki Kuroda, uh, he was uh, <laughs> like, you know, just he was like the Yankees, one of the Yankees pitchers before Tanaka came. But it's funny because like Kuroda, um, you know, he's uh, he doesn't speak English. So he's giving these interviews and then the translator is just right by him uh, translating what he's saying into English for the reporters. And and just like there's like four, like four, three or four of these clips with Hiroki Kuroda giving post-game interviews. And in every one of them, like the gist of what he's saying is like, yeah, I just, you know, I didn't pitch very good today. Uh, threw a bad pitch there. That's why they hit a home run. Like, are there any, did this guy ever have a good outing with the Yankees? <laughs> it's, it's, it's kind of funny. Um, yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. Yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Kuroda, yeah, I remember Kuroda. Yeah, I th- I thought he started with the the Dodgers. I actually thought when you mentioned that he with the Yankees, I actually kind of forgot he was with the Yankees. And if anything, I would have thought maybe he started with the Yankees and ended with the Dodgers. But yeah, I kind of remember his Dodgers tenure. But um, yeah, um, which makes sense. He was on that 08 team, which fucking bounced the Cubs from the playoffs. But um, uh. Yeah, I just remember Kuroda being like old. Like yeah, was... I, I, that, that's that's what I was going to say about him too. Like he was he was old as fuck. He was I mean in, in twenty fourteen <laughs> yeah. his last year he was he was thirty nine. He didn't come over to he didn't come over to the states until he was thirty three. So he was always yeah, 30, an old, older guy. Thirty three year old rookie. <laughs> yeah, it's not uh not Jim Morris, but it's uh it's close. That's Jim Morris, right? That's the guy that's Dennis Quaid. Yeah. All right, gotcha. Yeah. Totally. Um, yeah. So Jeremy, nobody got elected to the Hall of Fame uh, this week. We recently did an episode where we, we you know, we talked about which guys we uh, we would vote for. Um, uh, but yeah, nobody, nobody got in. No, uh, no, Jack. And um, yeah, I, you know, and having, you know, I think I was pretty disgusted uh, with that ballot by the end of that episode. I do recall um, there being a pretty epic uh, Barry Bonds rant at was. the end of that episode, mm-hmm. which will tie into our next news news item as well. But um, but yeah, like I would for for me, I probably wouldn't have put. I kind of wish I would have went on the record and said this at the time. But it's like for me, I, I wasn't voting for anybody in there either. Um, I forgot you you had a couple more votes than I did, Jack. Did did you vote for like Tim Hudson or something? Like you had mm, no. Maybe not uh, Tim Hudson, I don't even but. think I voted for Scott Rowland. Um, yeah, I don't remember, I don't remember exactly who I voted for. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, the writers have spoken. It doesn't seem like Bonds, Clemens, or Schilling are going to get in at this point. Uh, that, you know, Roland's picking up some steam. He's got about 52% of the vote. At this point, you need 75% to get in. Uh, there are certainly arguments to be made for Scott Roland. To me, he just seems like a guy who is really, really, really good. Um, and not quite Hall of Fame worthy. 
But yeah. uh, you know, it seems like before he before he gets dropped from the ballot, he might he might end up sneaking in there. Yeah, no, that's how I feel about him too. Um, I yeah, I don't know. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean, I and I don't know like if 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 they'll make a jet like make a a point to like get Bonds and Clemens in on their last year, which is which will be next year. But like, I I don't know. Um, like you would think that they're just not going to get in at this point. Um, which again is totally fine by me. Uh, the shilling thing about, you know, not like wanting to take his name off the ballot. It's, it's just the same posturing as like he, he's, he does with this. It's, I don't understand like how a guy who like, like was beloved as a player. I mean, maybe not beloved. Like, I think that there were, I heard, you know, talks of, of him, um, uh, you know, being like, an annoying guy, like as a player, like whereas to the point where his teammates didn't like him, but like, I mean, the guy was, you know, cheered in games. Like I forgot what game it was with the bloody sock, but I mean like the guy pitched, you know, in big games, like performed well, uh, and was cheered off the mound, you know, numerous times. Like, isn't, is that not enough? Like, is that not enough attention? Like, and like (laughs) praise for your career, or is it something where like you get addicted to it? Because now it's just like, he's just, tweeting all these things and like just trying to get more attention. And now it's like he didn't get into the hall of fame. So now he's saying, take me off the ballot, which is just trying to give him more attention. It's like, what, what is enough here? And I think there's something wrong with Kurt Schilling in the head. Um, you know, we don't need to get any deeper into that, but it's like, it just, it boggles my mind. And, um, yeah, I mean, obviously the guy is just slime. And, uh, um, again, I, I don't see any need to reward. I don't, I think he's borderline anyway, but I don't see any need to reward anyone who's also who's borderline and also an asshole, you know? Yeah, just... Jeremy, I, th- I think in our text conversation, you called him a pathetic little whore, uh, which I thought was <laughs> which I thought was pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I, I think in, you know, same with same thing with Aubrey Huff. Like who would have known that Aubrey Huff was such a like a, a, psych, a psychopathic uh, asshole until he got on Twitter. Part of it might just be that these guys, uh, you know, they're, they're so used, their career is that they go in front of 40,000 people, uh, you yeah. know, and they play like a really intense game and they have all this attention on them. And then, you know, that's just all over and you're still pretty young. So this is just probably just one way that these guys act out. Um, yeah. And, you know, unfortunately they have a platform to do it now with social media. You know, they didn't really used to have that. Um, so, yeah, some of them just act out like that. I think, you know, that's maybe what uh, what Schilling's doing. I mean, who was who was the pitcher, uh, the lefty, Steve Carlton? They said, I, I think that, like, Steve Carlton, he, like, he was, you know, people say he was crazy, but he was also, like, a huge racist and stuff. Um, uh, he might, his, I don't know if he's still alive or not, but he, he gave some pretty bad interviews, but I have a feeling like if, if he had had like a Twitter or if he had been a, a little bit younger when Twitter came out, uh, he would be, he would be a guy like that too. So there's just, you know, there's just guys like that, but, uh, you know, ultimately to answer the question, uh, yeah, screw Schilling. I don't think he should be in the hall of fame either. Yeah, no. Um, nor does he think that either. He yeah. said in that, in that, in that, uh, in that statement, it's like, I say it bef- like I, as I've said before. I don't think I'm a Hall of Famer, but uh, you know, I you know, and then whatever he said, like if my peers think that I should, then I'll let them be the judge. Like whatever, like fuck you. You of course you think you should be in the Hall of Famer, or else you wouldn't say anything about it. You wouldn't care. Like anyway, whatever. Um, yeah. So uh, there, he's going to be on the ballot next year, but um, 
you know, I, I think if anyone didn't, if anyone needed a reason to not vote for him, um, the fact that he called them all cowards or whatever he did, um, <laughs> you know, I, yeah, that gesture in and of itself is funny, but like just coming, c- considering the fact that he, you know that he's a piece of garbage, uh, you know, it's not, it's not so funny. So. Well, Jeremy, last week we had a, a tribute to Don Sutton, uh, who passed away. Um, and, uh, you know, in this most recent week, uh, baseball lost another hall of famer, uh, one of the greatest ever to play, uh, Hank Aaron. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe the, the greatest ever. I, I you know, maybe, maybe I, yeah, maybe the greatest. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I, uh, again, like to, to, to tie it back to Barry Bonds, it's like, you know, Hank Aaron, like, you know, on his route, you know, and like these stories kind of started kind of coming out again about like, you know, what he dealt with as he was going to break the record and like, just fucking like racist death threats and all this stuff. And like the stuff that he had to deal with, like, like on his, on his way to breaking this record. And, um, you know, and then you got Barry Bonds who was always an asshole. Oh, like grew up coddled, like, like grew up in a baseball family, uh, and just was a jerk for no reason and became more of a jerk and, you know, broke the record. And like, again, like, you know, you you compare that to to Hank Aaron, and it just it makes you sick. Um, so uh, yeah, it's a it's it's sad. Um, you know, uh, he he was getting up there in, in age and everything, so um, he he lived a lived a good life. But uh, but yeah, um, just uh, yeah, you know, what else can you say about him? I, I think he's the definitely the most important player of all time. Uh, you know, if not the best. So uh, so yeah, it's a, yeah, it's a abs- tough loss. Absolutely, it is. Um, yeah, he made uh, I think twenty five consecutive All Star games, which is a uh, which uh, is an all time record. You want to talk about black ink? Um, yeah, look at his uh, look at his baseball oh, yeah. reference page. It's just it's just all over his uh, all over all over his page every year. Um, yeah, he's still the all time leader in RBIs and total bases. Um, and yeah, he ended his career with the Brewers, so his his number is retired yeah. with two teams. I think uh, the Braves uh, and the Brewers as well. Um, he only played two seasons with the Brewers, but I think that was kind of just a tribute, uh, you know, the city of Milwaukee, uh, cause that, that's where he started his career before they moved to Atlanta in, uh, in 66. So, uh, yeah, Hank Aaron, uh, you know, Milwaukee ties, uh, you know, he, uh, uh he's very revered in the Milwaukee community and, uh, the people have been, teams have been talking about, um, you know, retiring Roberto's, Roberto Clemente's number, like every team retiring it, sort of like they do with Jackie Robinson. But mm-hmm. I, I would say that Hank Aaron wouldn't be a bad, uh, you know, wouldn't be a bad choice either to have every team retire his number. Yeah, I know. I can see that. I can see that happening. Um, but uh, very interesting, too. He, he finished fourth in Rookie of the Year voting behind uh, Gene Conley, who I don't know, uh, Ernie Banks, and Wally Moon. Um, oh, wow. Int- yeah, interesting. That, that'll, that'll probably always be something... Uh, uh, to think about like you know the the greats who don't win rookie of the year but end up becoming you know all-time greats right for sure yeah and he only won one mvp award too in 1957 he came he came close a whole bunch of other times he was always in the running but yeah he was always uh, more a guy who was just more consistent uh you know he always seemed to hit between 35 and 45 home runs i don't think he ever hit 50 um uh, yeah. So, uh, so yeah, a, a tough loss for baseball to be sure, but he did live a, a long life. I think he was 86 when he passed away. So, uh, Hank Aaron, um, rain delay theater, uh, pays tribute to you. Um, uh, okay, Jeremy. So let's get to the, uh, crux of the, uh, the episode, shall we? Yeah. Yeah. You heard the, uh, the intro up top. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, uh, 
we're doing a tribute uh, in a sense by by recapping uh, an episode of uh, This Week in Baseball. Yeah, absolutely, Jeremy. Um, so This Week in Baseball uh, started off in, in 1977, uh, and it ran uh, until 1998. So you and I both watched it a little bit when we were kids. I remember when the, when the show was on. Uh, back in the mid '90s, I used to watch it. I, they, they were celebrating Twib 20, so it must have been uh, must have been '97 that I was uh, watching those episodes. Um, or the okay. the original reason for it uh, coming coming into uh, being is that in the late '60s and early '70s, the only showcase for baseball was uh, was they had one game a week. It was the Saturday game of the week on NBC. There was no ESPN back then, um, and there wasn't much baseball on TV really at all. So if you wanted to see highlights from other teams, uh, you know, if you lived in Milwaukee and you wanted to see highlights from a San Francisco Giants game, uh, you were probably out of luck. So a, a show like This Week in Baseball was a way for people to kind of see what was going on, um, you know, around the country in baseball without just – just looking at the box scores. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, I know. And, and, you know, before that, you'd have to go to the movies to see the newsreel of like the <laughs> Brooklyn Dodgers winning the World Series or something. But yeah, no, for sure. Like, yeah, it's just it's so hard to think about, like, um, you know, being like back then um, and even like into like our early childhoods of mm-hmm. like just, you know, how little there was of baseball I, it was cool watching this episode because i was you know sometimes i think about like now i go back and i think about like how did i know about like guys like they sh- like they show like mike moore like pitcher for the um um uh, the a's at some point in this in this uh game and i'm like how do i like remember like what he what his windup was and i'm like i i guess you know from like white Sox games but i think also like from like you know, it must have been from this week in baseball, just seeing cl- footage of, of games and players that I didn't get to see un- unless they played against the Cubs or the Sox. And, yeah. And I was and I was lucky, like, uh, to have an American and a National League team on, on TV here so I could I could catch guys from both leagues if I wanted to. Like if you were in like, yeah, like, um, you know, just one of those leagues, you, you probably didn't get to see guys from the other league. Oh, yeah, 100%, Jeremy. I mean, I remember we had cable when I was a kid in Milwaukee, and uh, I used to watch Cubs games, uh, White Sox games, and um, Braves, Braves games. Yeah, yeah. All, all the time. The, those were the three I would watch. Probably more, I remember watching more Cubs games. I, I don't think I really watched that many Sox games. But, yeah, it was, it was Cubs and Braves. I used to watch them all the time. Every Brewers game wasn't even on TV. It was like, you know, in the mid-90s, it seemed like only about half their games were on TV. Uh, I remember mm-hmm. we got DirecTV um, in the mid to late 90s, and then my dad got the baseball package. So then we could, you know, we started being able to watch games from, from all over the country. But that's such a, it's such a commonplace thing now, and it's their access to highlights is just so easy. You can just Google, like, Francisco Lindor catch uh, and in like one second, you'll be able to see the catch he made tonight. But it didn't. Uh, it didn't used to be like that. So Twib was kind of a way for like fans to for fans to access uh, uh, baseball as more of a whole uh, instead of just their uh, their regional team. A couple things that are kind of cool about it. Mel Allen was the host of it. He was the old Yankees announcer. Jeremy, it's always kind of Mel Allen seems kind of incongruous to me as the Yankees announcer. He seems like he should be announcing uh, like the radio announcer for Alabama Crimson Tide football games. Yeah. Well, yeah. So it's, it's weird. Cause another thing, yeah. Like, again, like I knew Mal Allen from this week in baseball and, um, <clears throat> and honestly in naked gun too. <laughs> um, 
so I was wondering, like, yeah, I don't know, like, like when was he was like I don't like I'm just wondering like when he was like the the Yankees announcer up until like did he go like I wonder he must have like quit at some point and then kind of maybe did like um I don't know like maybe national stuff or I I don't know like he seems like a national guy like almost like like a guy who's not necessarily tied to like one franchise but um but yeah I and I hadn't even really researched that but yeah that that you know that's I'm remembering you know his connection to the Yankees but uh but yeah like I don't know just like just a guy who who kind of um uh was I think just because of this week in baseball seemed like the voice of baseball like across the board oh yeah and uh I'm seeing here that uh, his first season as Yankees broadcaster was 1940 um and says he did the 1938 World Series uh, for CBS on their radio broadcast. So I mean, you're you're talking about a guy who's, uh, uh, you know, he, he was announcing games at the tail end of Lou Gehrig's career up until uh, you know the episode we watched was 1989. So he was involved with baseball for a long time, and he uh, he called like some real classic Yankees teams, like you know Barra, uh, Mantle, um, etc. So yeah, it seems like he was just a mainstay and uh, the, one of the most prominent members of his profession. So it's, it's cool that the show was able to get him. Yeah, no, for sure. And like, um, uh, it's kind of funny. Cause like knowing Mel Allen as a kid, like from, from this week in baseball, like it, like as soon as I watched this episode, you know, for this, for, for this, for our episode, um, you know, I could tell that he had like a Southern voice, but like in my mind, and actually I, I was going to say Texas, but I see that he's, he was born in Alabama. Um, but, uh, but like, to me, like in my mind, like his voice is just his own voice. Like, I don't even hear like a Southern drawl necessarily. Like, it's, it's just, it's just Mel Allen. Like, and it's like, how about that? Like, I, just, I don't know. Like I could like, you know what I mean? Like, it doesn't have like a, a connection to it, like a regional connection. It just seems like that's just who he was or something. But, but yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it was kind of cool to kind of revisit that. Like Mel Allen is a guy who like I've thought about um uh you know at random times over the years but never really went and did like too much research on um in my adulthood so i don't know it was cool to be able to kind of look back and learn a little about him yes absolutely and i'm also seeing here jeremy not only is he from alabama but uh he he went to alabama where he was a public address announcer for the uh crimson tide so uh yeah that joke uh, it was supposed to be a joke by me but uh, <laughs> it turns out you know life imitated art there um well yeah because he sounds he kind of has like um what's the guy the like alabama the like that the other football guy uh what's his name um uh, like the fame i want to say he was like on cbs i can't remember what the college football um announcer guy is, no i but. think I, I think i know who you're talking about is he it was did he just only stop uh, announcing games recently um well maybe but he also maybe he maybe died recently uh keith jackson that's it okay yeah keith jackson <laughs> um yeah like he's got that that famous like southern drawl too he's from uh, georgia he oh. died in 2018 oh okay but, that was was yeah. recent jeremy you like the songs too in twib right yeah yeah i mean i like 
listen, we'll get to the closing theme, um, <clears throat> and per- perhaps you'll hear that later on as well, uh, which is iconic. But but I love the opening theme as well, and uh, I was interested. I was looking that up too, and um, you know was able to find the the isolated track of that, which is pretty cool. But it was written by a guy who was in Manfred Mann's band, uh, which is pretty cool. So um, you know, uh, Duwa Diddy. Uh, blinded by the light, like that Manfred man. I guess he kind of went through different phases, but uh, um, yeah, a guy who was like in the original band, like wrote the the opening theme um, of this week in baseball. It's called Jet Set. It actually has a song. It also says like it was used uh, as the theme for the original version of the game show Jackpot. <laughs> like that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Like I, I don't know. It's like Jackpot sounds like a game show that like we all know, but like I can't say that I do know it. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, it's kind of funny that it ended up they just like repurposed it for this week in baseball. But uh, I would say for me, at least, uh, you know, that's that's how I know it um, as, as that. Sure. Um, yeah. I wonder if uh, I wonder if this musician was a baseball fan, you know, you know yeah, who knows? Yeah. Well, or he was just making it for this game show and he never <laughs> even knew that it was going to be used for, for baseball. But uh, here we are. This is true. Um, but. But yeah, I, I that's I thought that was interesting. Well, Jeremy, um, just to give a little bit of background on the uh, specific episode itself. So the episode that we're recapping for you today, uh, it's from September 27th of 1989. So it was right around the time that season when the uh, playoff picture was being decided. So it was a pretty cool yeah. episode because you're, you're seeing a lot of highlights from teams that were clinching their division. Of course, back then, um, they just had the, uh, the East and West divisions. They hadn't yet gone to uh, the wild card era. Uh, so it was only four teams making the making the playoffs. So it was, uh, uh, you know, it was a little more. The playoffs were a little more exclusive. So it's still a big deal to make the postseason, but uh, you know, it was an even bigger deal back then, and, and and an even rarer thing. So the episode that we're recapping uh, uh, kind of drops us in to that point of the season. Yeah, for sure. And and you know, Jack, I th- uh, thank you for picking this uh, this year because this is probably about the era that I was watching. This week in baseball, sure. Like late '80s, early '90s, and so yeah, this one from yeah September 27th, 1989. Um, it it kicks off with with showing the Cubs clinching uh, the NL East, um, which you know uh, uh, clips that I know very well, and um, I, you know I think I watched I think I watched that footage live on like WGN when it happened. Um, they clinched up in in Montreal. Um, it, it, yeah, you get some good stuff, obviously, like, again, I could watch old eighties Cubs and nineties Cubs footage, like, like till my eyes bled. (laughs) Um, but, uh, you get some good footage there. Of course you get Mitch Williams, AKA Mitch, the bitch, um, you know, closing out the game, uh, against the Expos. Um, you know, he has that famous, like he strikes that guy out and he's falling again, falling halfway into the dugout on the third base line. And then like, he strikes himself up and like gives that like fist pump or whatever. And then they rush the field. Um, you got a shot of Paul Kilgis, uh, former Cubs pitcher, um, at the top of the steps, like, like ready to like storm the storm, the field. Um, so a lot of good old cub stuff there. Uh, and then you got to see like in the locker room, uh, celebrations. Yeah, Jeremy, um, a couple things I noticed more, uh, on the Expos side. Uh, first of all, I think the big cat, Andre Scalaraga was playing first for the, uh, for the Expos in a brief clip. You can see him also in that game, El Presidente, uh, Dennis yeah. Martinez was on the mound for the Expos with a big old dip in his, uh, in his, uh, <laughs> uh, uh, uh lower lip. I love it. 
Um, uh, so they had, and there, they, Dwight Smith, I think, got two singles in that game. The one that was hit to the left fielder took like this crazy astroturf hop, and like the yeah. uh, the left fielder had to like jump up for it. Just made me think because you don't really see that anymore. Even teams now that play in dome stadiums, uh, like play on like a nice like artificial grass that's you know been made by the greatest scientists in the world. Uh, but yeah. back then, like these guys had to just play on astroturf, and they had to learn like what what kind of crazy hops these balls were going to take or maybe they didn't know and they just had to like make an educated guess based on uh you know previous things that had happened so that's uh that was that was kind of crazy uh to see um jeremy not only do they do uh show clips in the locker room my favorite clip in the locker room is when two players like they slap each other in the back of the neck which is yeah. uh which is it was weird it yeah, it was definitely yeah, it was it was bizarre. Uh, one of those guys was Paul Kilgis. Okay. Um, and uh, I couldn't tell who the other guy was, but yeah, they just like like the one guy bends like kind of bows his head down and he sl- he like smacks him in the back of the head, and then <laughs> then Paul Kilgis puts his head down and he smacks him in the back of the head, and then they keep they both like raise up and they're like smiling and laughing, and then they like hug each other and dump champagne over each other. It's like. Wow. Okay. Yeah. This is, it was, this it is was the odd. world's strangest high five. They also go into Harry Carey's bar. Um, where was yep. that, Jeremy? Was that downtown? Yeah, that's um, that's. I mean, it's still there. It's, it's still yeah. Okay. Kinsey and it's uh, that location. Okay. Yeah, I can't remember what the stri- uh, across the North South Street is, but that's where me and my wife like stayed uh, at the hotel across the street after our uh, after our wedding. Oh no, no kidding. Um, Did you guys get? Uh, oh, it was right that it was right there. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, right on. Yeah, it was a little little down from where we got married, but uh, down down Kinsey. But uh, but yeah, and then the next day we were chilling, and and we actually got carry out from Harry Carey. So How was it? it was pretty pretty fun. Uh, it was actually really damn good. Actually, <clears throat> I got like I remember getting like I got like sausage and peppers, uh-huh. which I love, and uh, I got like this just this great. You know, newsflash, I was, like, kind of starving myself a little <laughs> bit before the wedding. So, like, you know, the day it was over, you know, you can completely relax, you know, and I just got, like, this awesome burger. And I have actually great memories of, of that that next day um, of, of, of eating there. So, so yeah, it was good stuff. Nice. There might have even been a Cubs game on that day, if I'm not, if I'm not mistaken. There um, was. I think they lost, but we, we were watching it nonetheless. Um, we they, uh, they go inside um harry carries uh, uh bar and you know it, it's absolutely packed just shoulder to shoulder it doesn't look like it would be very much fun at all actually but uh yeah this place is just packed with cubs fans at one point there's this woman um she must have been like a manager at the bar or something but mm-hmm. she's like up on the bar and it yeah. must have been the seventh inning stretch and she's singing she's got a microphone in her hand and she's like leading the crowd and take me out to the ball game but she does that she does that move where like you know about halfway through the song she re- she removes the microphone from her own lips and she like points it at the crowd uh, yeah. Jeremy, I never got that move. I never understood that move. If you get me in front of a bunch of people with a microphone to sing a song, I'm not. I'm gonna sing it, man. I, you know, I'm not gonna point it at the audience and let them do it. Like the, <laughs> the mic, the microphone isn't picking up their, uh, you know, their sound. We were at karaoke one time, and some guy was doing a Fallout Boy song, and instead of actually doing the song, he just like held the microphone out uh, and asked, like, you know, and acted like uh, like he'd written the song or something like that. <laughs> so I, so yes. I don't understand that move. You'll, you'll see it happen, you know, from time to time. Somebody will, you know, be singing a song, and they'll hold the microphone out at the audience. Hate that move, Jeremy. I am not a fan of it. <laughs> well, I know that Harry Carey would do it, 
But also, like, you know, it wasn't really about, I mean, to the fans it was about Harry Carey, but to Harry Carey it was about the fans. And also Harry Carey sang it every goddamn day, you know, <laughs> 80, 81 times for every year, you know, for, for years of his life. So I'm sure he was totally fine, you know, taking taking a, 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 a breather, you know, and letting the fans take over. But, yeah, I'm actually, I, I have the video queued up, so I'm trying to watch back. And she's waving it like she's waving like a wand, like... <laughs> Even if you were like trying to pick up fans, like you can't wave it that quick and like pick up, you know, one voice. It's, it would just be like, like you know, like if anyone was singing, like it would just be waving past the the mic and like, yeah. So fail there, I guess. <laughs> um, Don Zimmer has a quote. So Don Zimmer was managing the Cubs at this point. He has a quote. Um, he's being interviewed by Harry Carey, and Don Zimmer says, "Yeah, I've been kissed more times in this locker room and on the field." Uh, than I was in than I have was in 38 years of marriage uh, with my wife, uh, which I thought was funny. <laughs> like you know, you look and honestly, I'm sure that's Don Zimmer's fault, not his wife's fault. Like Don Zimmer, uh, you know, we we've described men like this uh, before in the podcast, but he's just a crusty <laughs> lump of baseball, dude. That's all. Yeah. That's all he is, man. Like he doesn't. If he wants to take a vacation, he's not taking his wife somewhere. Like he's gonna. He's going fishing like by himself. You know. That's yeah. what. Don, that's Don Zimmer in a nutshell. Yeah, definitely. Just like just a, a, a round man. And uh, yeah, just funny stuff. Um, but yeah, uh, <clears throat> yeah. Awesome to see. He's being interviewed by Harry Carey. And, um, you know, and you, we do get some Harry Carey, like, you know, announcing there, too, and just slurring his 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 words as ever. And um, yeah, just great stuff. Just Zimmer looks great in those road blue uh, Cubs uniforms, which I have. um I don't know if we've ever talked about it on the podcast, but I have a, I have like a Zimmer road. I have a road Cubs Jersey with uh, Zimmer number four on the back. Oh, I didn't, I didn't know you had that actually, Jeremy. I forgot. Yeah. I'm not sure if I've, how many times I've busted it out, but, uh, but yeah, I like that one. That's awesome. Um, uh, what, well, I think maybe my favorite part of the whole segment was when they interviewed Mark Grace and his yeah. quote was besides my wedding day, I can't think of a happier time in my life. Um, yes. and in, in January of 2021, uh, that quote is damn funny. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you know, yeah. In the, in the light of today, uh, and all we know about Mark Grace and his thoughts about his, <laughs> his wife, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah, it certainly, uh, doesn't age well no. um, for, for several reasons. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, good stuff there for sure. Um, you got a little Sutcliffe too near some champagne. So anytime Sutcliffe and, 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 uh, and liquor mix, uh, that's always a good, <laughs> good thing as well. Um, but yeah, so great to see, um, from there, Jack, it transitions to, um, watching the giants, uh, going to clinch a playoff spot as well in San Francisco. That's right. The clip begins with, um, the giants like honoring their fans. It was the first time they had ever drawn over 2 million fans. I think is what they said, and uh, <clears throat> they go they go to this uh, this guy. They interview this random fan, and okay, like he. I, I, oh, go ahead. I have the quote. I have the full quote, Jack. But continue. Oh, I, I actually wrote down the uh, the full quote too. Okay. Um, yeah. So just just to describe this guy real quick, though, he uh, <laughs> you know he, he looks he looks just like your typical '80s like central casting guy that would be in a movie. Like he's got like a just like a curly like mullet. Um, it looks like it's got some product in it. He's got it's almost a, like a perm. It is. It, yeah, it almost looks like a perm. He's got like a uh, he's got like a mustache, like a black mustache, and he's wearing aviator sunglasses. But they're also he's wearing that thing where it's like they uh, the, the tied around the back of your neck or whatever. So it's like the yeah, strings are cl- hanging down from his aviators. 
Yeah, those the, the grandmother then, like the you know the grandmother uh, like thing to hold it around your neck. He he also is rocking that. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and he, then and he's then, got a windbreaker like a a crappy like black windbreaker on. He does, he does. Um, and so this guy is he just he looks great. And then so I wrote down his his, his quote. Can I can I say it, Jeremy? Can I go say for what it, his go quote for was? It. So they ask him, you know, the question is, why would you want to go see a Giants game? And his answer was, to see Kevin Mitchell hit home runs. To see Will Clark get base hits, to see Matt Williams make a name for himself, uh, yeah, that's uh, the, I, the, he been, he had one sentence after that, but like that been those a were great the three. year, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, and like like what the what the hell, man? Did did he have like a, a pre- that quote prepared? It was like so <laughs> strange. Yeah, no, it's like this guy is like total like fanboy. Like it's kind of funny how like you know like certain like cultures like uh or certain like uh subcultures like give people crap for being too much of a fanboy this guy is like this guy like he should have like you know a, a giant's tattoo on his forehead in like orange <laughs> just like just like he he can't get enough of these guys and like and he sounds so fucking cocky when he says it too he's like what do you, what do you mean why why would i see them to see Matt, kevin hit williams hit, or Ke- kevin mitchell hit home runs like like just like <laughs> Like, what kind of dumbass are you? Like, these are all the reasons why. It's like, I could keep going on, but I, I got to get into the game. You know, it's <laughs> like, it's like this guy is like fucking attitude baseball fan, you know? Yeah. And, and to see Matt Williams make a name for himself. Like, that's, yeah. a, that's a strange way to strange way to put it. Um, there was a uh, there was a Mike. There's a Mike Shosha sighting in one of the clips he's playing. Uh, oh, yeah. it's, it, the series that they're that they're highlighting is uh, L.A. Dodgers. Versus San Francisco and Shosha is on the mound for uh, for the L.A. Dodgers after the uh, Giants clinch. Jeremy, uh, they interview Will Clark, and I was surprised. Yeah. I had never heard Will Clark speak before, uh, but yep, his yep. voice is yeah. He's like, hey, he sort of sort of talks like this. He's like, well, we got a we got a World Series to win. Yes. Like he's got a real high pitched voice. He sounds like a, a cartoon mouse or something. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, another guy whose like voice doesn't match like his his look and. Um, I, I almost wonder if that's why he, he like kind of looked like such a, a jerk so much, like just like a stone faced, like, yeah, like jerk because like just to compensate for his voice. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that was, that was funny. I hadn't heard him speak in a, in a while, but yeah, I did, it did. That did come back like rushing back to me like, Oh yeah. Will Clark has a funny voice. <laughs> um, uh, last but not least for me, Jeremy, in this clip was they, uh, they interviewed, uh, Roger Craig was the manager for the San Francisco mm-hmm. Giants. So uh, I think it was last week. In last week's episode, we were sort of speculating about how, uh, you know, a lot of uh, most of the managers who played are uh, position players. It seems like there's very few pitchers. We, we omitted a, a real obvious one, um, Tommy Lasorda, of course, the, uh, uh, you know, the recently uh, deceased Tommy Lasorda, who's come up on this podcast a number of times. So he was a pitcher. He's probably the most famous one. But also, uh, uh, as we were texting, Jeremy, uh, you mentioned Roger Craig, um, yep. He was another one. He's probably the second most prominent um, manager who was a uh, uh, a pitcher. So um, so yeah, Roger Craig was managing uh, uh, these uh, the the Giants, and it was kind of just to speak of the devil moment because we had literally just talked about him. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I have a note here saying that Roger Craig always looked old as fuck. Um, <laughs> like just I I wonder how old he was in that clip, but like just seemed like so like he seemed ancient. And then like I think when I realized that he was like he lived like, you know, another 20 years after this or something. Like it was like, God, I thought he was like in like 89 or something like in 89, you know, dude, he um, was, he was only, so I'm looking here on baseball reference. He was yeah. only 59 
1989. No yes, that's yeah, crazy, dude. Man. That's like that. That's like that picture they showed of like Tom Brady next to George Blanda, and George Blanda yeah. looks like he's about <laughs> 60, but they're both only 43. It's like yeah. that's just another example of that, man. 59 hit a lot harder back in, uh, you know, back in the late 80s. Yeah, that is that is funny. Um, yeah, that guy, that is crazy. I'm just looking at it right now. Um, so here's one thing like that they do. Cause like, so the whole thing is like, they're showing like giants fans, like listening to, um, I, was it the Dodgers? I don't even know who, what other game it was like. They, they might've been listening to the Padres game. Maybe. Okay. Is it the Padres? Yeah. Padres and Reds maybe or it, something. It might've been. Yeah. Yeah. And so like. They're listening to see like if like you know the Reds or something would lose so the so the Giants would make the playoffs and they show like I mean listen okay it, it's cool like people are listening in on radios and stuff um, I, I did call them all losers <laughs> 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 sitting there listening on like these crappy like uh like headset like 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 a uh, pocket like radios there's a shot of like Roger Craig sitting next to like a, a reporter for like the giants and they're listening into on the end of the game. But it's like, God, man, this is like 1989. And like, it also could have been like, you know, 1969 or something like people just like, listen, you know, talking about like not being able to see games. It's like these people, Oh yeah, it was Padres reds. Um, but listening to like people like, you know, not being able to watch the game, having to listen to it on a, on a radio headset, um, and celebrating when they hear like the last outcome. So like that is like kind of like classic baseball. Like that's like s- stories you hear of, of kids like you know listening to the World Series on their radio like while in bed or something. But also it's like God damn man, fucking. I'm glad I live in fucking. You know, <laughs> say what you want about 2020. I'm glad I fucking live in this year because I don't have to sit there with a goddamn radio in my ear saying like, <laughs> oh, I hope, I hope the Rockies lose so the Cubs make the playoffs. Like fuck that, man. <laughs> I'm just going to turn on MLB Network and watch it or watch it on my goddamn phone, you know? Jesus. <laughs> it's amazing. Amazing uh, yeah. how far we've come, truly. Yeah, um, uh, there was a trivia trivia question um, that they threw in there. Uh, yes. So the trivia question was, uh, here it is. It's Oakland's Mark McGuire became the second player to belt 30 homers in his first three seasons. Can you name the first to do it? Who did you guess, Jeremy? Jack, I, this is going to sound bullshit, but I guessed Canseco. Did you? I guessed Willie Mays, but uh, okay. yeah, it's you know, it, it turned out that it was his teammate uh, Jose Canseco who uh, who did it just a little bit before he I, did, I guess. Yeah, yeah. N- uh, nothing tainted at all about that record, <laughs> right, by the no. way. Yeah, hmm, what do, what do these two share in common? Uh, maybe <laughs> a needle in their ass, I don't know. But um, no, I, to, to be completely fair, I said it's either Canseco or Ruth. You know, yep. because I was thinking the same. Th- I, You know, it's one of those misdirects where it's like, you know, I bet it was probably years and years ago, wasn't it? Oh, no, it was like, you know, two years earlier and it was his teammate, Jose Canseco. So it's one of those things. But but yeah, well, then it goes it goes right to Oakland. Um, yeah. And so, oh, hey, wait, you know what, yeah. Jack, real quick, before we move on, I also wanted to to call out Mike Kruko, too. Um, they show him at the end of the, the Giants uh, celebration. Uh, and they, they, like, he's in front of his locker and they're celebrating and he's like covered in beer or whatever. And he says like, see you in Chicago. We're the best. And it's like, and <laughs> like, he like trying to like talk shit about the Cubs. First of all, it's, it's like, dude, the Cubs are a fucking horrible franchise. They made the playoffs and like, you're going to be like, yeah, you guys suck. We're going to kick your ass. It's like, yeah, the Cubs fans already fucking know that. Like, <laughs> No one expected the Cubs to make the playoffs. They don't expect to win in the playoffs. No one, no one in fucking Chicago before 2015 ever expected to win shit. 
Okay, so like Mike Kruko being like, "Yeah, we're the best." It's like, "Yeah, f- who?" I'm not gonna argue with you. Like, but but you have to know that like no one in the world like thinks that the Cubs should should lose like to like you know for a team like you know except for maybe White Sox fans or something or Cardinals fans. It's like the better story would be if the Cubs beat the Giants. So go ahead and say that the Cubs were like you know that that we're the best, but it's like no one is expecting the Cubs to beat them. So like it would obviously be a better story and no one, you're not hurting anybody's feelings because everyone would probably agree with you. So I just wanted to call that one out too. Yeah. And he, at, at the end of that, uh, that interview clip, he, he does the woo thing. Yeah. Uh, right. He's, he's so, all, he's all fired up, Jeremy. So strange. So like, like, so like, it's almost like, you know, they're like, like, we'll pay you $500 if you go woo. And then like, he's like, I'll try. And like, woo. It's like, <laughs> Ugh, okay here you go um but yeah so anyway so yeah they then they go to the a's yesterday yeah um so just uh just as a little aside here uh so yeah the, the giants did end up beating the cubs four to one in that playoff series a's oh, yeah. uh who they go to next um uh they ended up making the world series as well so 89 that was the uh the bay area uh series which the a's swept four to nothing anyway they go to oakland um and uh you know there's similar shenanigans going on in their their locker room and uh, Tony Larusa is uh, interviewed, <laughs> and I just my my notes for that are Tony Larusa hilarious. Um, when you think about <laughs> what we were just talking about, Jeremy. Um, so this was 1989. So this was still a time when uh, you know people were uh, having to use like transistor radios to listen to uh, you know the uh, games from other cities. And Tony Larusa was managing the Oakland A's, and he's going to be <laughs> managing the Chicago White Sox uh, this season. Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I was, yeah, no, it's, it, yeah, just an, another further indictment on, on, on the team, uh, on the White Sox. But I, yeah, I was, I, I made a note, Larusa, and I said, um, did he know he'd be managing and being scrutinized 39, 31 years later? <laughs> like, that was 31 years ago that this happened. Yeah, it was, it was half a lifetime ago, Jeremy. Uh, the other three guys who managed uh, in those playoffs are all dead. And he's he'll be, he'll be managing his first game with his new team uh, three three months from now. You know? Oh my god! Yeah. Oh my god. <laughs> oh Jesus Christ! Who was um who was the fourth guy? Who was the fourth uh, team in the playoffs? It was uh, Ro- it was Roger Craig, Don Zimmer. Um. Uh. Uh. What's his face? Uh, oh, the Toronto Blue Jays. Wait, Cito Gaston. Cito Ga- uh, Who was it? Manager okay. Jimmy Williams and Cito Gaston. God damn it, Cito Gaston's still alive, but he's seventy six. Now, nah, hey, nothing against Cito Gaston. I hope he's doing well. But uh, okay. you know, I forgot about the Blue Jays. But hey, three, th- uh, uh, two out of four ain't bad, I guess. Um, yeah. I don't okay. Know which two you are? <laughs> um. Uh. So also, they interviewed Dave Duncan. Uh, as well, yeah. his pitching coach, and it's like Jesus Christ, man. Tony Larusa, they didn't, they didn't go out and say it in the papers, but uh, or maybe they did. I think he tried to get Dave Duncan to be his pitching I, coach this year, and he it, just Dave I, Duncan I, didn't want to. Yeah, no, I think in his introductory press conference, they asked him like, "Is Dave Duncan coming back?" And he's like, "I called him, but he, he's <laughs> not, he's not coming back." Like, 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 yeah, yeah. He said that in in his like opening press conference. It's like Jesus Christ, man. Yeah, man. So you know, d- at least Dave Duncan had had some better sense than that. But yeah, those two those two guys are uh, are interviewed. Um, also, they interview Carney Lansford. And my notes my yep. notes for him was uh, looks like a Deadwood villain, sounds like one too. And honestly, the name Carney <laughs> Lansford it's also the name of like a, a bad guy on Deadwood. You know, yeah, this guy's just that's that's what he was all about. I don't really remember him as a player at all, though. I think we've talked um, about him on this podcast before. 
we may have jack i um yeah i uh just if if i look over my shoulder jack i can look at my carney lansford bobblehead because where, I have where did you get that uh, it was, they, they gave away at A's games. I actually ordered that. I actually ordered that like through, or I pay, I bought it through eBay. Cause I'm like, there's a Carney Lancer bobblehead. Like I need to own this. And, uh, so I, I purchased that one on eBay. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, great stuff. Nice. Yeah. He had a, a pretty solid career, 290 career batting average. He played 15 seasons. Um, he hit 336 in 1981 for the Red Sox. Uh, yeah. Like not a huge power guy, but you know, probably averaged about 12 to 15 home runs per season over the course of his career. Uh, yeah. Solid player. Kind of a forgotten guy though. Uh, well, maybe not for A's fans if they're making bobbleheads of him. Yeah. Or me, uh, who's, who's, <laughs> you know, paying extreme, like, uh, you know, inflated prices on ebay but um yeah it's you know okay so here's one thing jack and this is just a general 80s observation really but like you know like so mustaches were big in the 80s oh yeah um and you know you they showed craig leffert's uh pitcher uh earlier on and they showed carney lansford here and both of them had mustaches and like you know and of course like as you're as a little kid like people like 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 people in their 20s seem like you know people in their 50s to to a little kid or something oh yeah so like um so like you know i carney lansford was probably in his 30s at this point um in 1989 but um i'm you know you try to picture them like i i've I've thought about this and it's like you know i think the mustaches made them look older you know um but uh you so you try to picture like a guy like like in looking at carney lansford i try to picture him without a mustache and you know he looks like he probably would look like um I don't know. I mean, he wouldn't look like as old as he seemed as a little kid. Uh, you know, like I, I'm trying to think of like who he might look like, you know, um, but but uh, yeah, it's it's just crazy how much like the mustache made how much older it made those guys look. Um, oh, a- absolutely. And, you know, so many so many guys would rock one. Uh, I feel like today it's uh, beards. Beards are the thing now, or at least maybe I don't know yeah. if that's maybe dying off a little bit. But, you know, over the last couple of years, beards have really been in vogue with baseball players. So, yeah, you definitely watching this episode. Everybody has a mustache. Um, everybody. Uh, so that's yep. that's one kind of interesting time capsule from from this one we watched. I also had a. Uh, I had a note here, Dave Parker. Uh, man, he was looking a little rough, dude. You know, he was. Yeah. He was. He had that. I know he had a drug problem in like the uh, the mid '80s. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, I mean, he he he's got like a bottle of champagne in his head, and he's like, in his hand. He's like, man, people thought we weren't gonna do it, but we did it. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's also the most like non like worthy quote that that is probably in this episode it was just like all right cool thanks dave thanks for chiming in (laughs) he actually had a solid year that year for oakland he had uh he had 22 home runs 97 rbis he had 264 so his power numbers were they they were they were okay uh for cobra but um but yeah he wasn't he wasn't looking too good there he looked pretty out of shape i guess he was 38 though um so yeah he was he was getting up there but yeah dave parker a lot of people think he should be uh in the hall of fame um uh and uh, well i don't agree with that he's, i think he's kind of uh, like a uh, scott Rowland type of guy where he was very good but anyway that clip made me laugh because he was just uh looked like he was in kind of rough shape there yeah yeah kind of um yeah so then it goes on to uh detroit and toronto and you know not necessarily too much there to, to note uh but it's just i just a list of like just kind of old guys that i like like delighted at seeing um kelly gruber mm-hmm. lloyd mosby 
uh, Doug Strange gets hit by a pitch, like in a crucial situation. Um, and Tom Hankey. Yeah, I was going to uh, say Tom Hankey. Uh, uh, we have not mentioned it before, but uh, yeah, member of the All Glasses team. Absolutely, yeah. And um, for some reason, like there was like some kind of thing. Like when I was a little kid, my mom like. I was I had like a Tom Hankey baseball card and like I showed it to my mom or something and my mom said that's actually Tom Hanks or something <laughs> like trying to be funny and she's like yeah that's him he just has glasses on and you know but he he plays baseball I'm like no way really and like I don't know it's like I I don't know for some reason I I you know those two are are connected somehow or, or maybe maybe I asked my mom I'm like is this actually Tom Hanks and she's like yeah sure whatever <laughs> you know so something so, like so that. there was a brief a brief moment in time where you thought Tom Hanky and Tom Hanks were the same person I, I think so Jack yes <laughs> nice <laughs> I uh, I just saw it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood did you see that one I did not know Jack I didn't see I I feel like I haven't seen too many recent Tom Hanks yeah it's you know it's, it's all right he's he's uh he's terrific I I had thought that Tom Hanks would be a boring choice for Mr. Rogers it's like oh of course of course they're gonna get Tom Hanks to play Mr. Rogers but you know he's outstanding in it uh but yeah that's a that that's a good one um yeah so th- there's not too many real highlights from uh from that aside from the ones you mentioned after that it uh goes to the Brewers versus the O's again not a ton of highlights uh but I want to highlight how much I love seeing those old clips of County Stadium. I went oh, there yeah. m- many a time, many a time when I was a kid. Uh, I like when they show Mickey Tettleton of the Orioles hitting that home run into the left field bleachers. Just those shitty bleachers that are like from a, like a high, like a high school football <laughs> stadium. Yeah, just yeah. awful. Um, yeah, I loved seeing it, man. Yeah, and he's he hit that off of Jerry Royce too. Oof. This fucking. Just, I'm pretty sure that's Jerry Royce, but like, if you watch the clip, it's right at the 13 minute mark. Um, he is like, he's like an Ed Harris type, like from Major League, just a fucking lanky old fucking. He got the guy has fucking white hair. He has white <laughs> fucking hair. Like this guy, like why was this guy in the league? Like his family shouldn't have allowed him like in the league. Like <laughs> just a fucking garbage arm pus arm throwing guy. Like pitching in 1989 and he probably debuted in fucking 1959 and it's like jesus christ like uh like it's just a weird different time in in baseball you know yeah jeremy he he debuted in 1969 uh which is that that's freaking crazy man um that's the year that's the year we landed on the moon (laughs) you know yeah absolutely yeah this guy's yeah his baseball reference uh uh you know, headshots look pretty great too. You're right, Jeremy. That's a hundred percent. When you talk about Ed Harris from major league, like, I don't think that, uh, that character was based on Jerry Royce, but, uh, but yeah, man, he should have been. Holy crap. Yeah. Maybe, maybe just an amalgamation of him and like, uh, Gaylord Perry and stuff like that, you know? Right. Yeah. And like, they just, they just caught the end of his fucking career too. Like he pitched only in seven games for Milwaukee in 89. Uh, he was with the white Sox, So I remember him as a white Sox. Uh, but he must have been a, a deadline acquisition. <laughs> the Brewers must have must have needed to get uh, Jerry Royce uh, in Milwaukee, and then he he pitched in four games in 1990 with uh, with the Pirates. But uh, just crazy. Yeah, so just what he a, pitched another four decade guy. Four decade yeah. guy, right? Uh, yeah, that's yeah. impressive. Impressive. Um, well, nice. Yeah. So other than that, though, there weren't too many clips from the Brewers O's. Then they go to the Red Sox versus the Yankees. Um, uh, uh, they they highlight Dwight Evans. 
Um, he's yep. a guy that a lot of people think should be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, they they show the home run in the series uh, that Red Sox Yankees series that made uh, it made nine consecutive seasons of twenty plus home runs for Dwight Evans, which is pretty impressive. And then Mel Allen has uh, one of his classic lines. He goes, "All right, Dwight," which is pretty good. <laughs> yeah, totally. I, I have a note there about Dwight Evans, like, and this is this is uh, the same for like a lot of these clips. Um, like jack some of these swings just look so fucking weak <laughs> like just like just slappy like weak uh swings and like but but the ball fucking went out just the same like dwight evans hits the ball over the green monster and it's like the swing looked like a friggin' like it looked like a chopper to third base or something but he hits it over the monster it's like a moonshot <laughs> um and so like guys it's it's it kind of blows my mind obviously guys were smaller back then there wasn't as much weight training um but uh but like you know they hit home runs in parks with like same dimensions that they do that they have now and uh maybe some of them even bigger uh so guys were like it was happening for guys uh at that point but um it's just it's just kind of crazy to see it's like just every like the Dwight Smith swings earlier on like this just looks like so crappy (laughs) yeah I mean um, yeah those didn't go very far but well part of it too maybe it's just because you the guys now and the pitchers they're just every guy can throw 95 100 miles per hour and you know I don't I don't think that was the case back then but uh so yeah maybe it's just a combination of uh the players just overall being weaker the pitching being a little bit slower but yeah you're right man the that that home run that Dwight Evans hit that that goes the same distance as yeah. a uh you know a, a JD Martinez home run would today so it it doesn't doesn't seem to make sense yeah for for sure um one thing, so a couple of things that are cool about this this Red Sox kind of bit. After the Dwight Evans homer, they show Bob Stanley and they talk to him. They talk about him like making his. I think they said it was like his final career appearance or something. Is that right? Yeah, I think they said he had announced that he was he was retiring after that season. The Steamer, I think, is that what yeah. they called him? Yeah, they call him the Steamer, which was funny, Stanley Steamer. Yeah. Um, but uh, they're like, yeah, like he put in thirty great, you know, whatever. Like he put in like fifteen great years, but we'll always remember him for <laughs> Game Six of the World Series or whatever it was when he like threw a wild pitch that which allowed like the tying run to score. So it's like they tribute, they give him the tribute, but they they probably show like maybe his like worst moment of his career. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I, th- I thought that was a little funny too. I was like, you know, Bob Stanley. Uh, he was probably like watching that that episode, and he was like, "Oh, it's really nice that they're you know doing this tribute. They've got like real emotional music playing, and then yeah. they they show that clip, and he was probably like, oh, fuck you guys! Like, really? What kind of tri- <laughs> kind of tribute is that? You're gonna send me out yeah. on that? Um, yeah. Ooh, like you know, just watching that that ball skirt by uh, whoever the catcher was there for the was like, Rich Gedman or something. Was that the uh, was that the same like inning that uh, Bill Buckner made that error? Yeah, it was okay, the yep. um, it was yep. the run that's that happened right before the Buckner because because Mookie uh, or actually it might have been the same at bat because Mookie was at bat in that in that inning so it must have been like it might have been like it was the same at bat I think yeah um I mean definitely just like a comedy of errors for the for the Red Sox there um and they they wouldn't win a series until two thousand four and that their drought had yep. been uh, going on uh. Uh, for a long time before that. So, yeah, Bob Stanley uh, played a big, big role in that. Um, so, yeah, there you go. So now, hey, Jeremy, now uh, I, I wasn't even thinking about Bob Stanley, um, but now I'm thinking about that, you know. Uh, so that I guess that uh-huh. that's the good that that uh, that tribute did. Um, 
they also uh, talk about um, Jim Rice, don't they? Yeah, they do, and they they say like, um, I don't know if they hit a homer or if he hit a homer or something, but they say like, you know, he wants to come back for next year, but the Red Sox are not have did not offer him a contract or something. Yeah, and uh, it, it looks like that was 1989 ended up being his his last year. Yeah, he definitely did want to play one more year. It seemed like, but he uh, he shouldn't have wanted to. Um, he played in only 56 games that year. He had just three home runs and he hit only 234. Uh, uh, he is he is in the Hall of Fame. Um, and so it's kind of odd that that he's in the Hall of Fame and Dwight Evans isn't because their career numbers are, you know, pretty similar uh, just yeah. as far as their home run totals and stuff. Uh, it's 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 tough because, um, you know, the Dawson thing, the Dawson thing opened. I'm, I'm so glad that Dawson is in the Hall of Fame, but it opened the door for Jim Rice. And then, of course, the Harold Baines thing could open the door for fucking every Tom, Dick and Harry, whoever touched, uh, touched a baseball bat. But like, um, but yeah, like, so that, that, cause Jim Rice came, went in like the year after Dawson, I think. And that kind of like ushered that in these kind of borderline guys. Um, yeah, for, for sure. Um, so yeah, I guess we'll see if, if Dwight Evans, uh, ever Evans ever ends up making it, but yeah, so they, they, they pay tribute to these two old Red Sox, which was, uh, which was kind of cool. And then we move on to, uh, the, uh, Vita Blues wedding. Wow, Vida, Vida Blue got married. Did he get married in the Oakland Coliseum or San Francisco? I can't remember which well, one it was. That was the confusing thing. Like, uh, he like he got married. I think it was in San Francisco. Yeah, I think it was at Candlestick Park. Yeah, yeah, but but he like but he said he wanted to get married like in Oakland Coliseum or something, or like they proposed at Oakland Coliseum. So, like he he proposed there so he thought that they should get married there but then somehow he's getting married at, at, at candlestick park so it's kind of confusing there a little bit yeah uh it was i think yeah i think that was the deal he said he played for both teams he said he proposed at can at uh, oakland coliseum so then he's like yeah so then we had to get married at candlestick park um i don't yeah, I, okay. yeah, I don't know what kind of logic that is but uh but there you go yeah it seems like it was like a pre kind of a pre-game ceremony type of thing yeah. so they had uh you know they they set up uh they set they set the whole thing up like looked like near the pitcher's mound um yeah. and then they had all of the giants players do this thing where like they uh they all raised the bats over their head and made like kind of an awning i don't know what do you call that move uh i don't i don't know um <laughs> but yeah yeah I, yeah like like a walk they you know they get they, they made like a I don't fucking know what you'd call it, Jack. No, I yeah, I don't know, but it, you know they uh, they did it. They did something. So they all uh, you know he uh, uh, Vita Blue walked down the aisle. Uh, Willie McCovey was his best man. Um, yeah, and they got uh, they him and his wife got married at Candlestick Park. His wife his wife gave him kind of a saucy kiss. I was like Jesus Jesus they, Christ, man! Like there's there's kids at this game. Like you know they don't need to see that. I mean, she, they, like, they, it's the, it's a personification of sucking face. Like, she fucking, like, <laughs> like, sucks, she's, like, goes deep into the, his fucking mouth. <laughs> like, it's pretty crazy. Um, you know, I was, I kept thinking, like, and I think he said at some point, he's like, my wife wanted to get married at this, at the ballpark or something like that. I'm like, are you, is that really true, Vita? <laughs> like, did you not just want to get, like, applauded by, like, fans and, like, you know, like have this like at your like like on your turf. Like, was the wife really into it? Of course. By the way, she's like sucked face with him. Uh, maybe uh, this is going to sound misogynistic, but it's almost like she was sucking the money right out of his fucking mouth. <laughs> yeah, maybe I should. Maybe I have to. Cut no, that, that that's. Out, but... <laughs> <laughs> oh God, <laughs> that, that's that's great, Jeremy. Please. Uh... 
yeah, that's great. We'll 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 we'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll move on from that one. They uh they they do the uh the uh, the next segment is cu- the Cubs again. We have the Cubs, so lots of Cubs in this one, Jeremy. That was kind of yeah. kind of cool for you. This was a, a very famous dip. clip. You mentioned you'd seen it a lot before. I uh, I think maybe I have seen this clip before, but um. But anyway, it's uh, it's of Andre Dawson hitting a home run uh, over over the bleachers onto Waveland Avenue, and uh, uh, what happens is uh, you know there there's just you know bums like we we did this you know earlier in the season mm-hmm. to stand outside on Waveland Avenue waiting for that exact thing to happen a home run to come flying over the stadium. So when it did, like this just melee of dudes just barbarically like try to get this ball from each other there's guys like falling on the ground pushing each other over there's a mosh pit and then eventually this this mailman who happened (laughs) to be on his route like gets gets the ball he comes up with the ball and then uh then he runs away and he does this thing where he jumps as high as he can and he clicks his heels which is amazing steve stone has this uh good quote where he's like and it looked like the mailman got it. Um, so that's uh, that's funny. But just him like clicking his heels is is perfect, Jeremy. I mean, who actually does that? Yeah, no, I know. I mean, and like they say that that's what kept Ron Santo out of the goddamn Hall of Fame uh, because other <laughs> players didn't like him clicking his heels. Like so, Santo did it, but but the fucking like uptight you know baseball police of the '60s and '70s kept him out of the fucking Hall of Fame because of it. Um, but uh, but yeah, like it, it, it's just perfect. Like the the clip is perfect, and like so yeah, like I feel like the clip of him like holding the ball up, like that that kind of resurfaces every now and then on Cubs broadcasts and and stuff. So sure. I have seen it, but I haven't seen the full melee, like you said, Jack, like um in a while. And like yeah, it starts off like as when as soon as they cut to the outside, you see some guy like almost being like 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 taken down like um. Like uh, on, you know, like in that scene, like on the beach where uh, where Johnny kicks Daniel LaRusso's ass um, in, in Karate Kid, uh, where he like runs at him and then he kind of like sidesteps him and like trips him. It's like it almost looks like that. And this guy fucking plants down into the grass and like dust flies up and shit. And like <laughs> and then this mailman like gets the ball and like he's like he's got a, the male uniform on. And the shirt is like halfway button unbuttoned down his chest like his. His bare chest is out and he's wearing like the fucking like sexy mailman shorts, you know, <laughs> like this guy's like fucking like it's just like it's just crazy to see um, just and, and then they, they show him like giving him an interview and he they bring him on the broadcast. Dwayne Stats is giving him an interview and he's like he's like totally like loving the spotlight and. Uh, it's just it's just hilarious. He is. I mean, and this is the very definition of 15 minutes of fame. I, I yes. don't even know if you could call it if you could call it that. But uh, my favorite quote from when they interview him on TV, this isn't the Dwayne Stats thing. Like he did a another interview aside from that, which is like on the yeah. field. And he's he's like, yeah, I've been on TV a whole lot. A couple TV stations couldn't catch up with me. So it's like, <laughs> you know, everybody was just trying to get this guy on their, uh, you know, on their station. It was great. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, I always wondered, like, did he get fired after that? Because, like, can you just be, like, like pulling over and just fucking running for baseballs, like, while you're on the clock with the USPS? I mean, I don't know. Maybe the way that they run things over there, he, he probably got promoted or something. But, uh, um, yeah, like, uh, yeah, I always wondered about that. Like, did he get in trouble for, for doing that? 
Yeah, um, uh, yeah, that's a great. Who knows? You know, maybe he's uh, yeah, still de- still delivering mail to this day. Uh, yeah, no way to no way to know. Well, I mean, you know, who, who knows? Maybe we can Google it. At what was his name, Jeremy? They they give his name too. Do you oh, remember his name? Neil Neil White or something. Neil White. I just I have it up something like that. Uh, see if I can find it really quick. Um, something like that. Nice, nice. Yeah, I'm sure sure. There's probably been some article in the you know reader. Uh, trying to trying to catch up with him or something so we'll have to yeah. we'll have to do a follow-up uh on that one um yeah, so that maybe. was almost it uh but there's one more segment which uh you know yeah which kind of made me laugh um in retrospect it's funny because this guy was such a bad player uh <laughs> brad brad Kamensk. so they uh they yeah. do it they do like a little segment on brad Kamensk. the only the only way the only reason i can think of that they that they did a segment on him is it like it was the end of the season they were just running out of material. Like they've done, they've done segments on every other guy they possibly could. So they're like, all right, like they're digging pretty deep for this one with Brad Comments. Yeah, no, absolutely. And Jack, I don't know if you remember, but I'm pretty, pretty sure that that he came up, I, that I brought him up on a podcast. I think you uh, did too. Yeah, uh, and yeah. like he, because he rang a bell for sure. I can't yeah. possibly remember why he would have come up. I, I, I'm not even sure if this is why, but my, my like um, connection to Brad. And so, like, so Mel Allen calls him Brad Kaminsk, I, I believe. But then, like, you can hear the reporter call him Brad Kaminsk. Yep. Which is which is what I thought his name was, Kaminsk. Um, I think Kaminsk is, is actually kind of cooler in a way. But um, either way, it's just a fucking pain in the ass name to say, too. There's like a it ends with an I with an N S K. Yeah. Well, like, what I, other I was going to what s- other fucking names end like with that with that fucking Vowel, uh, consonant combination. I was going to say it must have been one of those names that got changed at like Ellis Island. I mean, maybe it yeah. was originally like Kaminsky, which is what it's it sounds be. like it should be. It's like it's like somebody just cut off the the I there. Yeah, it's got to be. It's got to be. Um, uh, but um, yeah. So my connection with Brad Kaminsk is um, <clears throat> yeah, this definitely came up. I I was like a little kid, and someone said that the cu- the that the White Sox. Uh, let me look this up really. Quick, um, traded. I can't remember now if it was. Uh, I think it's Ron Kittle. So I think it was when Ron Kittle got traded uh, to the Indians. I want to say. Um, why is this not working out for me? Uh, so he got traded. Um, where is this now? Uh, yes. Okay. So Ron Kittle got traded to the Orioles um, in uh, 1990. And uh, I was like, I yeah. So whenever we talked about Ron Kittle, and I was like, oh man, like so, like someone said, hey, did you hear Ron Kittle got traded? And I'm like, no, darn it, like that sucks because I really liked Ron Kittle. And I said, for who? And he's like, um, Brad something. And I'm like, Brad Kaminsk. <laughs> and uh, and he's like, and the kid was like, what? Like I don't know. And then like I found out later it was Phil Bradley. Okay. Um, but but that's that's my like that's my connection with Brad Kaminsk. Um, and again, I only knew him from a baseball card. But, um, but yeah, like, but that was pretty cool to see that like as the, the closing segment and the spin that they put on it, which is funny is that like, they're like, you know, he hasn't lived up to his potential like in his previous years, but he started to show signs of breaking out with the Indians. And then of course you go and you look at his record and like, yeah, he, he never actually did break out. And so that's what makes it all the more tragic, I guess. (laughs) Um, yeah, I mean, even that season with the Indians, like he, he hit, uh, 
had almost you know 200 official at bats so not many didn't really play a full season with them uh he had eight home runs 33 rbis and he had a 237 average uh unfortunately for him that was probably his best season but yeah. uh but yeah overall he ended his career as a 218 career hitter over parts of eight seasons hit just 23 home runs uh, and drove in 105 runs uh, for his whole career. Jeremy, I looked it up, though. I added it up, so if you look at his minor league numbers, um, he hit 214 home runs in the minor leagues. Really? Yeah. So that's wow. – I didn't – I, I uh, did not look up what the records were. Uh, I imagine that's got to be up there. That is a – that's a ton of home runs to hit, to hit in the minor leagues. Not a record you want to have. Um, but, yeah, he was like a, a guy, your classic like guy who could produce in AAA – but he just couldn't get it done once he got up to that next level. Yeah, wow, that's interesting. Yeah, that would be actually be cool to to look it up. Um, but yeah, uh, fourth fourth overall pick in the uh, um, 1979 draft. Um, so yeah, that one that one had a hurt for the Braves. The Braves are the ones who drafted him. Um, but uh, but they show a clip uh, at the end of him like running to catch a, a home run. He like climbs the wall. He jumps and leans over the wall catches a home run run robs it but then tumbles over the wall and then like the announcers you can hear say like that's gonna be a home run he he left the field of play that's a home run and it's like it's funny because that kind of sums up like his whole career it's like yeah he was like like you know he it just ended up being like a a you know sound and fury signifying nothing like <laughs> make great great catch and then it's like oh he went over the wall it doesn't count it's a home run whatever nice try you know you know one one nothing uh so uh yeah it's kind of that I feel like that that play probably it's a, it's the most like you know it's probably the biggest highlight he ever had in his career and kind of sums up his whole career so it's kind of kind of sad. Yeah, most definitely and they also compare him to uh they compared him to Dale Murphy when he was coming up and yeah. then like they ask him about it in 89 and he's like no no I don't think that hurt me. It's like why are we even putting Dale Murphy and him in the same sentence anymore? <laughs> like it's clear that. And then he's like he has that one quote where he's like yeah, I don't, you know, I don't like to compare people to other people. I think uh, everybody's just their own, uh, you know, their own person. It's like, what do you mean you don't like to compare people to other people? Like, that's a dumb, that's a dumb thing to say. Um, well, yeah, when when you're the one being compared to other people and you're the worst of the two, like, yeah, I bet you probably do hate when people compare <laughs> you to other people. So I get it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so then they, uh, then they sign off, Jeremy, they do a little teaser for next week, though, I think they tease uh, the, the coming the playoff Barra. episode, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, and they show Yogi Berra in an Astros uniform uh, as a manager. That's too, right, and he's he's I... doing some weird like signals with his uh, like fingers. <laughs> that looks that looks kind of funny. Um, also, like if you pause it at the moment where he smiles, because they they have one part where they interview him very briefly, um, or it might just be a stock clip of you know from some other interview. But he um, <laughs> you know he he looks like James Gandolfini when he smiles. So that was uh, that was weird. James Gandolfini could have maybe played Yogi Berra in a movie. Um, but yeah, that was one thing I noticed. I will say I like I like Yogi Berra's quote. You know, he's like, yeah, it, be it beats working for a living, or you know, something along those lines. Yeah, like, yeah. Here's a, here's a guy who knows that like baseball like is a fun job to have. Well, that's I mean, and that's that ended up being like another. I don't know if that was ended up being a, a Yogi Berraism, but that that in and of itself is a Yogi Berraism because he that was his job, like playing ba like managing baseball or whatever is was his job. And he says it beats working for a living. So, um, but yeah, just just weird to see him in an Astros uniform as well. I don't I don't really remember his days as a ma Astros manager um, or Astros coach or whatever he was. Um, but uh, but yeah, I wonder if that episode is uh, is online. 
Um, but uh, but yeah, man, just just great stuff, just great old time glimpses of of players and and stuff. And I I just I, I can't get enough of watching this stuff. No, absolutely not, Jeremy. I mean, I think maybe after this episode, you know, in the coming week, I every once in a while, may, I might have to just pop on YouTube and uh, you know just just watch another random episode. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. It's like what I'll just watch like an episode a, a, a you know a week until the 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 season starts, you know, just to kind of bridge the gap a little bit. Yeah, a- absolutely. Um, well, Jeremy, uh, I think that's well, going to bef- do it for today's episode. Well, well, and then before, and you'll, folks, you'll hear this in a, in a bit, but the closing theme uh, of, of This Week in Baseball, even more iconic than the opening theme, uh, it's called Gathering Crowds, uh, which, again, I did not know it had a name, but uh, it's composed by a guy named John Scott. And, um, yeah, it's, uh, it, um, it's just iconic, absolutely iconic. Um, and uh, we'll, uh, you'll, you'll hear that in a second, I guess. <laughs> All right, so for Rain Delay Theater, I'm Jack Swakowski. And I'm Jeremy Dionisio. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.